0: Hello, and welcome to this live recording from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This message was given by Peter Christofides at our Kubalup campus. So sit back, listen in, and enjoy what God's got to say to you. this morning we carry on in our, in our series on friendship, friendship, and the authenticity of uh, who we are as men and women of God, and what that means. And uh, I've read this passage, and I'm sure you have many times. But just reading it this time, uh, there was this new revelation that came across uh, my heart and mind uh, as I prepared for what God had to say for us or to us. I think we all know that authenticity is something that is a rarity among Christians. And we want to be authentic, we know that we ought to be authentic. Uh, but I'm not too sure how much of that authenticity we practice. And so we talk more about it uh, than practice it. And so it, it seems to, to be something that we know about. But to actually pull the trigger and do it is something that seems to be rare. Especially when it comes to prayer. Now I'm not going to make you feel bad because can we ever pray enough? No. Can we ever give enough? No. No. But I wonder if we even pray a little bit. We know that prayer is important. We know that we ought to pray. We know that Jesus taught us how to pray. And I'm not saying that we should be coming to the two prayer meetings uh, that we have at our church on a Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Tuesday evening at 6 o'clock. Just checking. Um, So you've got the point. 6 o'clock now. (laughs) And then also... Uh, on a Friday morning at 7.30 And so wh- what does that mean? You know, well I'm not able to attend because there's work commitments But do we pray on our own? Or do we even pray with other people? And so we know uh, that it's important that we pray I wonder how much prayer we do You know, in verse 16 of this passage I'm about to read You, you see that, that James says to them in the context Because persecution was coming and James was preparing them and he says the prayer, in fact some translations say the fervent prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so that word fervent means, uh, it's the word energia or where, where we get the English word energy. The energized praying person, when they pray, is powerful and it's effective. And so that word, energy, it's it's active, it's efficient, it's mighty in its actual energy that goes into it. That prayer, that petition, that request that we make, that supplication that we make, and in fact, it's got a connotation of begging. I don't beg for anything. Yes, we come before God and we beg Him. It shows our desperation. And so the effective prayer or fervent prayer of a righteous person is very effective and powerful. And folk, a bird is created to fly. A fish is created to swim. A man or woman of God that is righteous or holy, that's what they're called to do, to pray. And so he expands on that because he says a number of things Uh, Firstly, or let me read the passage, James chapter 5, 13 to 20. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And he did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. My brothers and sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth... And someone should bring that person back. Remember this. Whoever turns a sinner from the error of their way will save them from death and cover a multitude of sins. James gives us some of these authentic teachings and authentic advice on different situations we find ourselves in as men and women of God. And he says firstly that authenticity in troubled times leads to prayer. So if you're a righteous man, a woman of God, one who is holy, one who lives a holy life, that's what we do. And he says uh, in verse 13, is anyone of you in trouble? And that word trouble there, if you're undergoing hardship, suffering, if you're afflicted, listen, he should pray. Is anyone happy? Rejoice. And that's what a Christian does. When you're delighted, when you're happy... Then you pray. You sing praises to God because that's what your heart is full of. But when you are afflicted, when you are in troubled times and it seems like the world is squeezing you in, what do you do? You pray. You come before God in prayer and in supplication. So I think we know about these things, but, uh, you know, it's kind of almost the last resort. I've tried this, I've tried that, and the last resort, let me come to God in prayer. In fact, the psalmist in Psalm 31 verse 9 says, Have mercy on me. That's David. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I am in distress. That word distress, I'm in a tight place. I'm in a narrow place. It feels like I'm squeezed in on all sides. Who's been there? We've all been there. Squeezed in on all sides, he's saying. My sight is blurred because of my tears. In other words, I cannot see straight. I'm consumed and I cannot see straight because it feels like I'm squeezed in on every side. My body and soul are withering away. What does he do? The only thing he does is turn to an avatar. He turns to a separate medium. No, he comes before the true and living God because he realizes who the true and living God is. And it's the only one. He's the only one that can actually get him out of this situation. Let's be real, sometimes God doesn't want to take us out of the situation, but he leaves us there for a lesson, sadly, and gives us the power to overcome. So when we look back, we say, God was with us, to God be the glory. The word glory, to God be the fame, to God be the honor. When I'm distressed, he says, when I'm in trouble, the only thing I know is to pray. Pray. When when I'm happy, the only thing I can do is rejoice because I'm a righteous man or woman. Psalm 120 verse 1, the psalmist says, When I was in trouble, I called to the Lord and he answered me. Because you know, that's what a righteous person does. I called to the Lord. The word called there, I cried out and invited God into the situation. Now folks, that makes sense to what will come Shortly because that's inviting God in the situation allows me to pray according to his plan and purpose. Again, I don't go to the horoscopes or to the avatar or to you know, some other medium to intercede for me. No, I invite God into the situation. That's what a righteous man or woman does. Not as a last resort, but as a first resort. There's a story, and it's a true story, of a whole lot of uh, the church council that got together and they were having to decide about something. And they thought, well, you know what, maybe we should pray. So the one person went, turned the lights off, and they prayed until they got an answer. They were deliberating for three hours. And after five minutes of prayer, the answer came. Clear lesson to be learned. Why don't we just invite God into the situation right in the beginning? And, folk, God is with us. We know that. Because when two or three are gathered, He's in our midst. It's not for God to know that, it's for us to know that. And so we say, God, we invite you into the situation. Whether we're rejoicing or whether we're in troubled times, we feel squeezed in. God, we turn to you. Authenticity in troubled times leads to prayer. Secondly, authenticity in sinful times leads to prayer. Read that in verses 14 and 15. Because it seems like what James is saying, that that there could be some, some infliction, some difficulties that come across our path to teach us a lesson. Whatever it is. But we turn to God in those difficult times. It seems harsh at the time, but we turn to God. Sometimes we kind of go, Lord, I don't know whether I should just throw the towel in. No. When it comes to eternal matters... This difficulty we're going through now is nothing compared to the eternal effect that will happen when we invite God into the situation. And it could be sinful. It could be something that leads us astray. And it could be spiritual sickness. It could be physical sickness. Because he says, is any one of you sick? You should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And we'll do that afterwards. If you're not well physically or spiritually come for prayer that's what the church does that's what we do with one another and the prayer offered in faith will make the person well and the Lord will raise them up if you sinned you'll be forgiven why because we begin to care for one another in the context of the local church and we begin to bring those prayers and those supplications before God we begin to say there's something going on in my heart that's not right and it's causing me some distress. Could be sin. Could be something that's, that's attacking me, if you like. And I'm not happy about it, but I bring it before God because that's what a righteous person does. And folk, the Bible differentiates between sin, sin. And Christ got rid of that curse of S-I-N on the cross of Calvary. But then we as human beings, as men and women of God, will still commit S-I-N-S. We continue to con- daily sins. 1 John 1.9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But as we come and we speak and maybe get it off our chest and bring it before God and invite God into the situation... Then healing comes. Proverbs 28.13 People who cover over their sins will not prosper. But if they confess and forsake them, they will receive mercy. Psalm 32.5 Finally I confessed all my sins to you and stopped trying to hide them. I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord. Because that's what sins are. They're rebellion against God. And you forgave me Lord. All my guilt is gone. Proverbs twenty-eight, fourteen: Blessed is the man who always fears the Lord, but he who hardens his heart falls into trouble. And so we come before God and we, we say we've got a problem, and that's the first part of healing, that we acknowledge we've got a problem, our rebellion toward God. I've got a problem. I'm a rebel. <laughs> I'm a spiritual rebel. What can we do about it? And folk, we know that 80% of problems when it comes to certain abuse of drugs and alcohol, is to acknowledge there's a problem. Sadly, my late dad could not acknowledge he had a drinking problem. And it killed him. It killed him. Clever man. It killed him. Could not admit it. Pride comes in the way. I've got control of this. Before you know it, that sin will come over you, and it will control you, and it will kill you. Authenticity. Thirdly, authenticity in wandering times leads to prayer. In wandering times. And the word that James uses in verses 19 and 20 is, My brothers, if one of you should wander, planao roam around or roam away. If one of you should go astray or go out of the way from the truth and someone should bring him back. Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from his death. And so that's important to understand, that we are to pray for ourselves and invite God into the picture, into the situation. But I think what James is saying there is a little bit more than that, that we are to pray for one another. Perhaps an unbelieving spouse, perhaps an unbelieving child, to invite God into the situation. To invite God right there, but not a selfish prayer. To invite God into the situation. Galatians six one, dear brothers and sisters, if any, if another Christian is overcome, pro lambano is eaten up by some sin. You are godly. You who are godly um, should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path. That's what righteous people do. And how do we start that off? By praying. But James, uh, I mean, Paul warns us here in Galatians six one, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation. The word temptation, the fire, be careful you don't fall into the same examination, the fire yourself. Because it could easily lead you astray. Ah, I've got this. I've got it. It's no problem for me. I don't know why this person is struggling. To pray. But folk, it's to be an unselfish prayer. And that unselfish prayer is to invite God in the situation. Let me give you an illustration of a selfish prayer. God... It's the prayer we prayed when we were kids. God, may my father stop drinking. Because if he stopped drinking, then he wouldn't beat mom up, he wouldn't beat us up, and we'd have a good life. And then one lady said, stop praying like that. I thought, how rude. At least we're praying. She said, pray for his salvation. What? Pray for his salvation. Okay. I said, and your husband, how long did you pray for him? She said, 32 years. I said, I'm out of here. Can't do that. Not that he would stop drinking because that's selfish, but pray that God would touch his soul, that he doesn't go to a lost eternity. That's important. And that's what is being said here. Invite God into the situation because then you begin to discover God's will, God's plan, God's purpose. The only place where the disciples ask Jesus to teach them is about the Lord's prayer. Read it in Matthew chapter 6. What does Jesus say? He teaches them to pray. Our Father in heaven, haloed be thy name. In other words, magnified be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Your will be done. Not my will. My will is that my father stops drinking so he can have an easy life. Selfish. Pray that God will save his soul. That he won't go to a lost eternity. And you know what? What's very, very important is what Jesus uh, explains in Matthew 6 in that same context. That we don't stand like the Pharisees and wax eloquent so others can hear us. But instead, that we go into our closet because of who we're praying to. And in that quiet, as we bring our prayers and our petitions and, and invite God into the situation, we begin to discover His will, His plan. And his purpose in our lives. Now that is a discipline, but it's it's powerful. The prayer of a righteous person avails much. It's effective. Why? Because we've got it right. That's what men and women who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ do. And then he gives us an illustration of who kind of uh, Elijah. Goodness gracious! Somebody who ran away from. King Ahab and his rebellious wife, Jezebel. What a nerd. My, my son would say, what a noob. <laughs> he runs away. Instead of standing strong, read about it, 1 Kings 17 and 18. And then we read, because this is a beautiful illustration. It says that Elijah was a man just like us. An ordinary man just like us. He prayed earnestly. Those two words prayed earnestly, he brought his supplications before God. He brought his supplications before God. Why? Because that's what a righteous person does. Did he have issues? Absolutely, Um, Elijah had issues. He was discouraged. He was afraid. He was depressed. He struggled. He was an ordinary person. He ran away from a situation. From wicked people. He ran away instead of inviting God into the situation. Ordinary person like you and like me. We know that great God context where uh, he challenges those prophets of Baal and their priests, and he says to them, Why don't we put up a sacrifice and see whose God is the greatest? And so those priests come and they, they pray, and nothing happens. And Elijah says sarcastically to them, Where have, they, where have your gods gone? Have they gone to the toilet? Because nothing's happening, he says, Why don't you, you pour water over the sacrifice? And they drenched it with water. And he prays this powerful and fervent and effective prayer. And God consumes that sacrifice and the area around. Not a dry little bit left. That wetness as well. He was an ordinary man who got discouraged, but he prayed, and there was power in his prayer. Why? Because he trusted in the true and living God. That's what righteous men and women do. They trust in the true and living God. But we all sit here and we're squeezed in. If you're not squeezed in, it's a matter of time. That's a guarantee. We're squeezed in. But what do we do? Uh, Let me see what the horoscopes have in store. No, we turn to the true and living God and we find the answer through the word of God. He was a powerful man, and he brought his prayers before God. Elijah prayed, and in seeking out the will of God, God, what do you want? So one um, theologian, Robert Law, said, Prayer is not prayer getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Let me say that again. Prayer is not prayer getting man's will done in heaven. It's getting God's will done on earth. Touching heaven, changing earth is that one song that we used to sing a few years ago. And I love what Elijah did. He was specific. Now there's some that have this belief that, you know, you only pray once. You bring that situation before God and you leave it there. Because if you pray that more than once, then it's your lack of faith. Folk, I read Elijah and he carried on praying until it happened. In fact, when he prayed that God would intervene in that situation, he goes and he sends the servant out and he says, Go and check if it's going to rain. He sends the servant out seven times to check if it's going to rain. In other words, he carried on praying until it happened. So, what happens? We invite God into the situation until it happens. Because as we invite God into the situation, we begin to discover his plan and purpose in that situation. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Sounds better in the King James. Thy will be done. Your will be done, Lord. On earth as it is in heaven. We invite you into that situation. And then finally, Elijah prayed with fervor. With earnestness. He came before God in supplication, understanding who God was. Telling God that it's such a small thing for him to come and intervene. And as he prays out, we begin to see God acting in that situation. And I want to suggest to you, we carry on praying until something happens. Let me say this, pray hardest when it's hardest to pray. Oh Lord, this is not the time that I want to pray. Pray hardest in those times. Because it shows the fervor and the earnestness of our prayer. And we press in to that situation and we invite God into that situation. And we ask God through authentic prayer that he intervene and make a way. Whatever that way is, as we intervene or as we interact with God, he intervenes and he makes the way. When we pray, remember this. The love of God that wants the best for us. Like a father wants the best for us. The wisdom of God that knows what is best for us. He knows what's good for me. Might not be what I want, but it certainly will be what I need. And then the power of God that can actually accomplish that. Authentic prayer. Folk, if you've never heard anything I've said this morning, that's okay. But hear this. Like a bird flies... Like a fish swims, a righteous man or woman prays. That's what we do. It goes without saying. That's what we do. Because that's who we are. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, in difficult times, we want to say that it's hard to pray. But Lord, may we know that it's the only thing we can do because of who you are. So Lord, we bring our petitions before you. We bring who we are before you. And Lord, we want to invite you to intervene in a mighty, mighty way. Please, Lord, make us more righteous, we pray, so we can begin to discover that that's all we know and that's all we can do, whether in petition or in praise. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church.